Okay, good morning. Today's shiz is Le'ilu Nishma, Svi Ben Chaim, and Chana Rivka, Bas Pavel Shraga Kohen. Today's daf is daf Chof Ches. We're towards the bottom of Chof Zayin Amud Beis. Just to catch us up, what we were discussing yesterday is remember one Talmud. We're actually going to see at the end of the story, so I don't want to do, don't want to spoil the surprise for you. One of the Talmudim asked Rabbi Yeshua is Mariv Rishus Ochoiva, and he asked Rabban Gamliel is Mariv Rishus Ochoiva, and Rabbi Yeshua said it's a Rishus, and Rabban Gamliel says it's a Chayva. When Rabban and the, the Talmud said. Oh, Rishus means is it optional and Choyva means is it an obligation as we explained yesterday from Tosfos um, again I think there are those who learn differently but we explained from Tosfos Rishus doesn't mean you can choose whether to say it or not Rishus means that in contrast to other mitzvahs it's a Rishus but obviously all things being equal you have to daven Marif but not that uh, yeah, but not that it's an obligation then, uh, so, so that's what he asked. He said to Rabbi Gamliel, but Rabbi Yeshua told me that it's a choiva. So, um, sorry, Rabbi Yeshua told me it's a rishus. So he decided I've got to do something. So he called, so he had uh, the next day in uh, Shir when they were discussing it, he said, is it rishus or choiva? And does it, I said, it's a choiva. Does anyone argue with me? And no one got up. Then he said, pressed the Rabbi Yeshua. And Rabbi Yeshua said, yes, I admit. I said, it's rishus. Now this is where we're up to. He left Rabbi Yeshua standing. As we explained yesterday, the protocol was when you address the Nasi, you stand up, and you only sit when he says, okay, sit. And he left Rabbi Yeshua standing, which is a little bit degrading to, it's, it's a little bit degrading to Rabbi Yeshua. Um, as we, we touched on yesterday, but part of the explanation is because Rabbi Gamliel wanted to establish the authority of the Sanhedrin. Remember, the Jewish people had just gone major upheaval, possibly the largest one of the largest upheavals in our history, the destruction of the Second Temple, and everyone was at a loss of how to carry on practicing Judaism. They were at a loss of where's their focus, where's their, what they united around. Before they always had the base of Migdash, they always had the Kohanim doing our voida. That was where our minds were. Now they had a loss. Rabbi Gamliel really wanted to tie it down, give Jews a source, give Jews a core. Um, and uh, that's, uh, this is Rabban Gamliel in Yavne, that's what he's trying to do. So if there's friction, if there's arguments, if Rabbi Yeshua is saying one way and I'm saying another way, and then you split the Beis Hamikdash. You, sorry, you split the Jewish people, and that's the last thing they need at, the, at this moment is fragmentation. So, so that's why Rabban Gamliel took this harsh stance and left him standing. I had to show everyone that we don't treat uh, dissent well. Again, it wasn't uh, power motivated, it wasn't personally motivated, but as we'll see from the continuation of the story. But everyone looked at this and they said as far, and they said as far, um, he left Rabbi Yeshua standing, and it says, everyone started moaning, mumbling. And they told Chutzpis, the one who would uh, give over the drosha, Stop, stop speaking for Omar and he stopped. Omri had come and asked Rabbi Nezel, how long is Rabbi Gamil going to afflict, distress Rabbi Yeshua? And it gives a few examples. Everyone's complaining. It says, remember what happened? Rosh Hashanah, last year on Rosh Hashanah, he, he, he distressed Rabbi Yeshua. That's a famous Machlokes, that a Machlokes, Rabbi Gamil, Rabbi Yeshua, when was Rosh Hashanah that year? Now remember, if Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur follows 10 days from Rosh Hashanah. So Rabban Gamliel made Rabbi Yeshua walk to him with his money belt and his walking stick, etc. I break Yom on the day that he was keeping Yom Kippur. Break Yom Kippur. 
So he says you have to keep Yom Kippur when I say Yom Kippur is. Get up the Nasi, I get to determine these things. And not when you say Yom Kippur. But again, that must have been quite distressful to Rabbi Yeshua to have to walk to Rabbi Yeshua, to break Yom Kippur, to meet, to greet Rabbi Yeshua. So everyone was coming in. He says, Bechoyrus, and regarding Bechoyrus, said the Rabbi Tzorok Tzarei, in the incident of Rabbi Tzorok Tzarei, there's a whole discussion of, remember the Kohen gets the Bechor if it has an injury. So therefore we don't trust the Kohen to tell us that the animal was injured by itself. Because maybe he put the injury on the animal. And then there's a penalty. So we don't trust him. But Rabbi Yeshua says it's Rabbi Tzorok. He's a huge Talmud Chacham. We can trust him. If he says his animal got injured, Ramon Gamliel said no. Again, Ramon Gamliel left him standing um, a little bit disrespectful. So everyone was complaining about it. says, look at all these incidents. Hachanami Tzara. And here again you uh, distressing Rabbi Yeshua. says, Tov Let's depose Rabbi Ramon Gamliel. But my nokam no, who are we going to set up in Rabbi Gamliel's place? We can't appoint Rabbi Yeshua because he's the his person involved. It will be extra insulting to Rabbi Gamliel to take down to put in his place the guy who he was who, who he was arguing with. We can't establish Rabbi Akiva because he's he's a convert or the son of a convert. He doesn't have schus avos to protect him. Um, from uh, the, pan- the heavenly punishment that Ramon Kamil's distress might bring about. So, let's appoint Ezra. He's wealthy, he's wise, wealthy, and he's 10th generation from Ezra. He's wise. If anyone asks him any questions, any halachic or Torah questions or advice, he can answer them. He's wealthy. If we need someone to intercede with the Caesar, he can intercede. Obviously, you can imagine Roman uh, governments, they are uh, more open to speak with very wealthy people. So that's why it will help to have him. And he's from 10th generation from Ezra, he has Chus Avos. And therefore, uh, punishment won't come to him as a result of this. They went and asked, him, will you be the Rosh Hashiva? Let me go and consult with my family. I'm not accepting this position as Nasi without uh, consulting them. He went and he consulted with his wife. Maybe they will depose you. They just depose. Clearly, times are not secure. A little bit, there's a little bit of uh, political. Uh, uncertainty in the Sanhedrin, they're going to depose you. It says, we'll rather let a person use a fancy glass and let it break tomorrow, but at least he got the opportunity to use it. So let me take this opportunity of being head of the Sanhedrin. And actually we're going to see that she turned out to be right. You don't have white hair. And he was 18 years at that time. But also Zariel, they're going to point as the head of the Jewish, uh, of the Sanhedrin, the greatest sage in the nation. He was 18. It says, The miracle happened and his hair, he grew um, 18, uh, 18 rows of white hair. And this is what Rebbe ben Azariah says at the Mishnah we read at the end of the first paragraph. He says, I was like I was 70 years. Why didn't he say I'm 70 years old? When someone asks you, or having a you know, I was like 70. What do you mean? No. Because he was really 80, but he was like 70. Over there, very interestingly, here the Gomorrah says, Israel, a miracle happened. Over there, 
on the Mishnah, the Rambam says, I think I mentioned this, he says it wasn't a miracle, it was he learned so hard, I think I explained it differently then, but he learned so hard and he drained himself that he looked, he aged prematurely. So it wasn't, uh, so he, uh, he wore himself down. Yeah, this is an Agoda. Um, Yeah. Um, another interesting point the Maritz Khans points out this that he went to consult his wife he wasn't just being nice and you know let me check with my wife he says it's actually Allah I mean he speaks about in regards to Dinimov or not different people with different uh, professions have different obligations to their wife but I think we could take that on a broad perspective if a person's changing his uh, routine his job he should always check with his wife because it's going to affect her not something you can just decide, you know what, I used to be uh, an accountant and now I want to open my own business. That's going to affect your hours, affect your stress levels, etc. You've got to check with your wife. It's only fair to her for what she signed up for when she agreed to marry you. So uh, that would be, it's not just a nice thing to do, it might actually be halacha. Tono oitzayom. So, so now we continue with the discussions after they appointed Rebbe. Elozo ben Azariah as head of the Sanhedrin. It says, They removed the guard at the, the gate. And they allowed many, any Talmud to come and enter and learn in the base. And made the following announcements or declaration. Any student whose inside is not the same as his outside is not allowed to enter the base Midrash. Ramon Gamil was very strict that you had to be Sincere and full and full with integrity to learn, and it's based on the principle we have elsewhere that don't teach someone who's not doesn't have good character, because he'll take the Torah and he'll distort it. So Ramon Gamliel is very strict, and he placed guards at the entrance to the yeshiva, and only people with high levels of integrity were allowed in. They removed those guards, those, uh, and let anyone in. And there's an argument, one said that I had to add in 400 benches and another one 700 benches. I think both of those are probably exaggerations. But either way, they had to increase the size of the base measure significantly because so many more people wanted to come and learn. So Havik al-Kholish dieted Ramon Gamil, Omar Dilma, Chatzva Sholom, Inati, Torah, Mishra. Ramon Gamil got a bit upset. He says, Oi, look how many more people are coming to learn. Maybe I stopped Torah in Bnei Yisrael. So it says, they showed him in a dream white jars filled with ash. These Talmudim look like they could, but they're really nothing. they just ash. It wasn't true. It was just to appease Rabun Gamil. Rabun Gamil acted L'Shem Shomayim. This that he was very, very strict at the, for his entrance exam, for the criteria to get into the yeshiva, this that he was very strict was purely L'Shem Shomayim. And therefore, heaven wanted him to feel okay about it. It wasn't bad. But at the end of the day, he did stop a lot of learning in B'nai Israel and Rabbi Elezer and Azariah's slightly looser acceptance policy was actually the correct approach. They bring that, so, oh, but what about we said that you're not allowed to teach anyone who's not appropriate to learn? He says, look, if you know he's bad, you know he's uh, rotten at his heart, okay, then don't let him learn. But someone you're not sure about, give him a chance, let him learn, and maybe that's the correct approach, and that's what Rabbi Lazarus said. And we're going to see from the increased Torah, um, uh, from the increased Torah learning, we're going to see some of the malas. Tanya edios bobi yom We learned from Raisa that on that day, edios was taught. 
Man won't be literally on that day, but over the next little bit of time, Ejos, remember we learned yesterday, Ejos is called the choices of receptors because the halacha always follows it. This is why, and when it says, Whenever in Shatz you see Boba Yom, it was on that day, it's this day that we're discussing when Rabbi Lozim Azariah opened the yeshiva to more Talmudim. There was no halacha left in the base that was a sophate that they didn't resolve on that day. Any doubts that were raised on that day, they managed to resolve them. And um, Rashi explains, because since there were so many more Talmudim, they were sharpening each other and there was more discussion. Before there was discussion amongst, I don't know, 100 students, and now there's, 100, there's discussion among 700 students. I don't know what the enrollment was, but it just increased the level of discussion, which that's how you arrive at the Torah truth. It's not dogmatic. We like to think this one says X, and therefore you have to blindly follow him. Rabbi Gamil says X, and we all blindly follow him. That's not how Torah works. So he got deposed for being too strong in his opinion. Um, but you need the discussion, you need the debate to clarify the different points and just because of the increase even though they might not have been the, they weren't the elite of the Tabi Chachom they hadn't been let into the Beis HaMidrash till then but they were but just the increase of discussion and debate and more Tamidim they managed to resolve a lot more of the doubts that they had halachic doubts that they had even Ramon Gamliel did not remove himself from the Beis HaMidrash for one for one moment. I, he stayed and learned, even though he had been deposed. Again, you see that his whole, all his actions were L'shem Shemaim. If it wasn't L'shem Shemaim, when you get deposed, you go somewhere else. He still came and sat in the base Medrash and learned. The Tanan, Bo Bayom, as we learned in the Mishnah, on that day, Bo Yehuda Gera, Moini Lifnei, Bebeis Medrash, Moani, Lov Obakal. Yehuda, the Amoini convert, came before them on that day, and he said, can I convert? We know the general rule is Amoini loyova bakal Hashem and Amoini is not allowed to marry a regular Jewess. Zomalei Rabban Gamil Asur atolova bakal Hashem Amar Rabbi Yishua Mutar atolova bakal Hashem Bakal Rabban Gamil says it's Asur and Rabbi Yishua says it's Mutar. Zomalei Rabban Gamil Dovak Vadeim Arvelu Yavo Amoini Umovi bakal Hashem Rabban Gamil says to Rabbi Yishua How can you let him into the base Medrash? It says an Amoini Umovi is not allowed to come into the congregation of Hashem. So Amalei Rabbi Yishua Bechi Amonu Moav B'mkamemem Yoshim Do the people of Amon and Moav dwell in their place? Already Sancheirev, the king of Asher, came and mixed up all the nations. I basically Sancheirev came. This is actually when we lost the ten tribes. Yeah, is it? Yeah, but then they might have come back. But Sancheirev came and he mixed up all the nations throughout the world. So the people living in Ammon are not the Ammonim. And therefore this person who comes from Ammon, he can marry into the, to the tribe. One second. So Rabban Gamil said to him, Oh, but I will return the Shvus. Um, I've re- I will return Ammon to their place. Ukfar Shavu, have they not already returned? I will return my children, I'll return the remnants of Bnei Yisrael. And Vadain Lo and we know Bnei Yisrael hasn't returned. So who says Amon's returned? So he says, And then they voted and they decided to let this Amoni marry into the congregation. I Rabbi Yisrael won the argument. He says, We see that Bnei Yisrael have not been returned to their dwelling place. So, so too we can assume that Ammon have not been returned to their dwelling place and therefore we're not allowed to. Just a few interesting points. 
Egyptians. So someone who said there's an issue for Jews to go live in Egypt. I want to say, once, they were, once they're not the Egyptians living in Egypt, maybe it is Mutar. Interestingly enough, the Rambam doesn't seem to learn like that because he apparently used to see, he lived in Egypt, but apparently he used to conclude some of his letters, the one who sins every day by living in Egypt. So he clearly held it was still also clear. Um, and so not so clear about Egyptians um, and living in Egypt nowadays, but I mean, major Jewish communities lived in Egypt for a very long time, so maybe they have a good heter here. Um, another interesting one is Amalek. Amalek, everyone wants, lots of people want to suggest and assert that Amalek is not necessarily a specific people, but it's those who have the ideology that wants to destroy the Jewish nation. And I don't know, I think you have to then, you, you're treading on a little bit of... Uh, so to variable territories at ones who want to destroy the Jewish people. What about ones who are pushing uh, beliefs that are counter to Judaism, or you know, or tr- uh, encouraging atheism? Like what? What exactly would you call Amalek's philosophy? But either way, there are many who learn that Amalek's not specifically a nation, but specifically those people. I know my father Roshiva of Kusman Zatzal. He was a Dayan in Vilna before the start of the Second World War. And he managed to escape. He lived in the forests around Vilna, and he managed to escape into America and then Israel. And he apparently said he, I think he joined a group of partisan fighters in the interim. And he used to say that he managed, he fulfilled the mitzvah of uh, destroying Amalek when he had the opportunity to kill a Nazi. So, uh, so there does seem to be that many do. And I think Rav Soloveitchik might have told the same thing that it's not speci- Amalek, not a specific people, but. Uh, group, but whenever someone or a group of people, a nation, is out there to destroy the Jewish people, that's Amalek. Okay, that's just the... What? Rabban Gamil and Rebbe Are you saying with the Yeshiva? Look! Yeah, yeah, they didn't. I mean, interestingly enough, this Rabban Gamil, this, uh, I mean, uh, we actually, uh, Rabbi Yeshua sounded like the one who was enforced then, but it was also Rabban Gamil. Um, they were the ones who put Rabbi Lazar ben Hurkanus in Cairo. You know, the famous story, with, we, we touched on it a bit earlier in the Masechta, with the, when they had a Bachloikas about that oven, does it transmit tumor or not? And Rabbi Lazar argued extensively. Different Rebbe Lezer to Rebbe Lezer ben Azariah, that was Rebbe Lezer ben Hurkun. This is Rebbe Lezer ben Azariah, that's Rebbe Lezer ben Hurkun, I think. Um, and they put him in Chayre, etc. So they were very, very strict on uh, dissent in uh, those days. Of, uh, yeah. Um, rightfully so, and, uh, but maybe they were rightfully so, and motivated L'Shem Shamayim. But it seems it still wasn't necessarily the correct uh, approach. Um, but yeah, Rabban Gamliel wasn't, uh, we see, again, I think this highlights Rabban Gamliel's purity. He was deposed as Nazi. You get demoted. Do you ever go back to that place where you're demoted? No, never. Rabban Gamliel no, I'm going back to the base Midrash the very next day. Okay, carrying on, says, Rabban Gamliel says, Oh, since this is the case, I see Rabbi Yeshua won the halachic debate. Clearly Hashem is with him. Also, I say, Rabbi Shah, better go appease him. Kimata le base, Hazina le ishte de base, 
the Meshachrin. He saw that the walls of Rabbi Yeshua's house were very dark. They weren't well uh, maintained. From the walls of your house, I can see you're a blacksmith. So, woe to the generation that you were its leaders. Woe to you that you don't even know the distress, the affliction of Tamidei Chachomim trying to make a living. That you don't know how they make a you don't know how they make a living. So, he says, I'm really sorry I've afflicted you. Please forgive me. I just said I harassed you over the last few years with how I treated you in the Sanhedrin. Please forgive me. He says, oh, he didn't listen to him. So, also, Rabbi Ramon Gamli says, do it for, out of honor for my father's house. Pious and Rabbi Yishul was appeased. So, he forgave Ramon Gamliel. So, we better go tell the Sanhedrin this. This update that Rabbi Yeshua and Ramon Gamliel have reconciled. Remember, the whole reason they deposed Ramon Gamliel was because he was insulting Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Yeshua was upset. Well, now that Rabbi Yeshua is not upset anymore, what are we going to do? So he says, Amru man, um, so Amar lahu koyves ana aznina. A certain watcher said, I'll go. Shalach lul Rabbi Yeshua lebe medrash oman de loshev mada yilvosh mada oman de lola avosh mada yamer leil oman de lovish mada shalach madcha va'ana alvishay. The one who always wear the garments. Let him wear the garments. And the one who has not worn the garments, let him take his garments off. Um, I, Rabbi Gamliel and his family have always worn the, had the Nasius. The garment, here we're referring to being Nasi of the Sanhedrin. That's Rabbi Gamliel going back for many, many generations, descendants of David Amelech. And uh, as we saw, um, Rabbi Loza ben Azariah was the son of a Koh- was the descendant of Ezra, a Kohen. So he says, so they said, give, let the one who hasn't really worn the garments, give them back to the one who has worn the garments. So, We need to make a decision. We need to do something about this. So let's lock the door. We need to decide what to do, but we want to have a closed door meeting. We don't want any riffraff, especially from the household of Ramon Gamliel, the servants of Ramon Gamliel coming to disturb us. Let's lock the doors and decide what to do. So Rabbi Yeshua says, I better go join in this discussion. This He came and knocked on the door and Omer said to them, Maze ben Maze Yaze. The sprinkler, the son of the sprinkler, and the one who's not a sprinkler, nor the son of a sprinkler. Yomer Maze should say to the one who sprinkles, Ben Maze, your water is the water of the caves and your ash, your ash is the burnt ash. What's he referring to? Maze is a sprinkler, the Kohen. It says, let the one who's been a Kohen continue to be a Kohen. Again, this is reference to the Nasius, which is a bit tricky because Rabbi Lozav Nazari is actually a Kohen, but this is reference to the Nasius. Let the one who's always been treated as the Kohen be the Kohen, the one who can purify, the one who can lead us, the one who has the right water and ash to purify us from our tumor. Let Rabbi Gamliel continue in that position. So Amalei Rabbi Yekiva, Rabbi Yeshua Nispayeset. Rabbi Yekiva said, Rabbi Yeshua has been appeased. And the, everything we did was only for your honor. We better go back to Rabbi Gamliel and reinstate him. So Amalei, but how can we do this? To remove Rabbi Lozab and Azariah, Gemiri, Malim, Bekodesh, Aymurim. We have a tradition, you're only allowed to raise up in Kudush and not... Downgrading Kedusha. So we can't remove Rebbe Loza ben Azariah. But that they, they felt that he wasn't worthy. I'm assuming that's the reason. And then as soon as they saw that Rebbe Yeshua had, had 
forgiven him, they put, were happy to reinstate him. I'm assuming. If we let them serve as Nasi one week, one week, well, they'll come to uh, jealousy. Rabban Kamil is really supposed to be this Nasi. So, rather what we're going to do is Rabbi Lazar will be Nasi for three weeks out of the month and Rabban, um, Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel will serve for three weeks and Rabbi Lazar, who's just there because we don't want to read in the Kodesh, will let him serve one week. And this is whenever you find in Shas that asks, whose week was it? Whose Shabbos was it? So Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah Hoysa was it, um, it was Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah's week. I, you have this somewhere elsewhere in Shas, you see someone ask, whose week was it? What do you mean, whose week was it? No, that's what he's asking. Was it Rebbe Lozav and Azariah giving the droshes because he was the head of the Sanhedrin? Or was it Ramon Gamliel because it was his three weeks and he was? And this says, Tamut, who started this whole incident? Who asked Rebbe Yeshua and Ramon Gamliel? Both Rebbe Yeshua and Ramon Gamliel is Mari Rishul Sochayva. Rebbe Shimon ben Yochai, it was Rebbe Shimon ben Yochai. Okay, carrying on with the discussion of the Mishnah. Remember we said, V'shel Musafim Kolayom. Musaf, you have the whole day. However, if you leave it for late in the day, you get the title of negligent. I, obviously, you can still daven. You have the whole day to say Musaf. But if you do leave it for later on in the day, as you get a bad title of someone who's negligent. What happens if you have two tefillahs? It's one in the afternoon. And now you still you have to say Mincha and Musaf. Which one do you say first? So you say Mincha because it's more regular. Mincha is every day. And Musaf is once a week. On Rosh Chodesh, on Shalosh Shogolim, it's much rarer. Rabbi Yehuda, I'm a Mispalo Shal Musaf. Yehuda says you daven Musaf first and then Mincha because Musaf ends shortly. Musaf ends at the end of the seventh hour, and Mincha contributor you have all the way up until Plaga Mincha. So say Musaf first because you're going to miss the time soon. And Rabbi Yochanan says the halacha is you first have a Mincha and then Musaf. Okay, very important Toisus here. He says therefore, basically you should be careful on Yom Kippur to not drag out Shachris too long, past six and a half hours. Because then it's time for Mincha and Musaf, and you run into the trouble, and you should, and you'd have to say Mincha before Musaf. So that's what uh, Tosfos, uh, the first Bali Tosfos, bring out. Um, so for Omari, he says, but the Ri says no, that's not necessary, because this that we say, if you have a choice between Musaf and Mincha, you must have in Mincha first, is when you have to daven both of them then and there. Uh, let's say you catching a flight early afternoon. Rosh Chodesh, you're catching a flight early afternoon. You have to daven Mincha. You want to daven Mincha and Musaf both before you go to the airport. Which one do you do? So there you do Mincha first. You give it uh, precedence. Um, but where you have still the whole afternoon to daven both Musaf and Mincha, then you can do it in the correct order of doing Musaf first and then Mincha. So even if you're running a bit late in your Yom Kippur davening, and you're only going to daven, uh, start Musaf at 1 p.m. or whenever it is, you can do that because you'll have plenty of time afterwards to daven Mincha later.
Yeah, so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what Toysu said on that. Then Rabbi Zaira Kavah Cholish Megir Sahave Ozov Yosef Apitcha Debei Rabbi Nosan Bartuvi. When Rabbi Zaira was feeling a bit weak from learning, I had tired out from learning, he would go sit by the entrance of Rabbi Nosan Bartuvi's yeshiva. And he says, Omaki Chaufi Rabbonan Ozekamim Kamayu Vakabal Kara. He says, Then when all the Talmidim walk, bef- the Talmidai Chachomim walk before me, I will stand up for them. As you know, uh, it's a positive mitzvah to stand up for Talmidai Chachomim, and I'll receive reward. Just before we continue the ramifications of him sitting there, everyone asks, What? We know right at the beginning of Maseches Avos it says, Don't serve Hashem on condition to see reward. And here, Rabbi Zaira, we have Rabbi Zaira saying, You know what? I'm going to go sit outside the base measure so that in all the Tamidai Chachamim walk past, I will, um, I can stand up and receive the reward. Okay, so the various answers given. The one answer I heard in the name of Rabbi Yoshib is that, um, was it? That this is all, this that you mustn't do mitzvahs for reward is mitzvahs that you obligated to do. But when it's optional, like here, there's no mitzvah to go sit and put yourself in the situation that you have to stand up for Tamir Chachamim. The mitzvah is if a Talmud Chacham walks past or something, then you stand up. But to put yourself into the situation that you have to stand up, that's unnecessary. And there you are allowed to do it for reward. Very interesting uh, distinction. I don't think he was doing it, you're saying he was, he, the reward he wanted was refuah. I'm not sure. Here it just sounds he was tired. You spend, uh, you learn for 18 hours, you need to catch your breath for half an hour. You're drained and you need to uh, refresh your mind. So that's, that's what I was uh, thinking and not, not necessarily like sick, but could be. Good answer. Okay, says, so carrying on with the story. Nofak also Rabbi Nosam Bartuvi. Rabbi Nosam Bartuvi came out. Omer Leiman, Omer Alocha by Midrasho, who was giving over the yeah. This is Rabbi Zayir to Rabbi Nosam. Who gave over the Alocha in the base Midrash? So Omer Hachi Omer Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said, "Ein Alocha k'Rabbi Yehuda. The Alocha is not like Rabbi Yehuda." The Omer Misal Oram Shemusaf Achakach Misal Shemincha. Who said that we daven Musaf and afterwards we daven Mincha? Omer Lei Rabbi Yochanan Omer. So he said it was Rabbi Yochanan. So Omer Lei in. Um, so he says, you're telling me that it was Rabbi Yochanan who said the halach is not like Rabbi Yehuda? And he said, yes. He reviewed that teaching 40 times. Is this that you're reviewing it 40 times because it's the only thing you've ever heard in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, so you want to make extra effort to learn it? Or is it just because it's a new halacha to you? So it's a new halacha to me. I thought it might have been Rabbi Yehuda ben Levi who said it. But now that I know it's Rabbi Yochanan, I want to consolidate it in mind that it's Rabbi Yochanan. It sounds a bit extreme for one halacha to make such a big deal, but I guess obviously the deeper principles behind that we pass that Rabbi Yochanan says it in the name that the halacha is like Rabbi Yochanan, and also um, the value of every halacha, every point. Basically, anyone who, according to Rabbi Yehuda, if you have a musaf after seven hours, the Pasuk says on you, Basically that Hashem says, I will destroy you. Where do we see that? Nugay is the language of breaking, destroying. Rav Yosef translated it into Aramaic as tabre break. This word nugay he translated as break. Interestingly enough, Rav Yo- whenever we want to know the translation of a word, the Gomorrah often brings Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef was blind. You're not allowed to say Torah Shebusav of Bahat. 
so Rabbi Yosef, he wanted to review Chumash, but he couldn't say it off by heart, because, and he, he was glancing and read it, so he used to say the Targum. So he was an expert in the Targum in the, in the translation. Um, then it says, He translated as, I will afflict you, not I will destroy you, if you delay Shachris. Where do we see that Nugay is Tzar? Okay, so we see there's another way of translating Nuga as afflicted, not as severe as broken. And someone who explained the distinction is because by Musaf, if you miss Musaf, there's no way to catch it up. And therefore we use the phrase broken. A kind of destruction will come to you. Whereas if you miss Shachris, where there is Tashlumim, it's not as bad and therefore it's the phrase used is afflicted. Not as bad as destroyed. Okay, let's go on. Ravavia Cholash below also the Pirka de Rav Yosef. Ravavia was once weak, uh, ill, and he didn't come to the drosha of Rav Yosef. Abai wanted to question Ravavia to highlight that Ravavia had a valid reason to not insult Rav Yosef. If Rav Yosef, interesting enough, they were very particular in those days that, uh, that everyone came to the Shabbos drosha. And therefore, if Ravavia is not there, a great Tamil Chochem, granted he probably doesn't need the Shabbos drosha, it's still insulting to Rav Yosef that he didn't want to come. So Abaya wanted to show that he had a valid reason, and that's why he's going to ask him all these questions. Why didn't you come to the base measure? To basically show that he had a valid reason to not uh, disapprove of... Uh, to not... Uh, um, so, so that Rav Yosef doesn't get insulted, that Rav Yosef wasn't there. Just an interesting story, just that everyone used to go to hear the drosha. There's a... That's, I guess it's probably a legend, but I think it says a little bit about him. In uh, Tzfas in the 1500s, the Rav of Tzfas was the Alshech. And who came to his Shabbos drosha? The Arizal, Rav Yosef Karo, the Beis Yosef, that's where he's in his Shabbos drosha. The story that in the middle of his drosha, the Arizal got out and left, and the Beis Yosef saw him get out and left, get out and leave. So the Arizal, so the Arizal, why did you leave in the middle? She says, no, I saw all, when you were giving your drosha, I saw all the angels dancing around, and everyone had, even the angels and he, people, uh, heavenly hosts had come to listen to your drosha. But at one point, they got up and left. So I thought, well, if they're getting up and leave, I also better get up and leave. And Beis Yosef says, well, I saw the Arizal get up and leave. If the Arizal gets up and leave, I also better get up and leave. Um, and uh, I think they explained that he, uh, he uh, at that point, of Al-Sheikh had like, uh, like a hint of arrogance in the way he was expressing the beautiful idea that he had thought up. He didn't attribute it fully, the beautiful idea to Hashem, he attributed it to himself, and therefore that's why the angels stopped, because of that arrogance, the angels left to share again. I think it's a lesson, but we see from that, the, from that, that he, in, in those days, everyone goes to the drosha, no matter how great the Talmud Chochem was, you go to the drosha of the Rav of the town. Um, so, he, so again, remember, Abayah asked, Avia, why didn't you come to Shir yesterday, to the Drosha? So, Amalei, 
Levi Velo Motsin, I was feeling sick and I wasn't able to. So Amalei, my Lord, time to me divorce. So why don't you eat a little bit, get some energy, and then come. So Amalei, Sovar Lo Amar, Lohod Ravuna, Dom Ravuna, Asu Lo Adam, Shiitom, Klum, Kaidim, Shizbalo, Tudas Musafim. He says, don't you hold for the teaching of Ravuna that you're not allowed to eat anything until you've done with Musaf? So Amalei, Boy Leila Mal, it's clear to loosen the Musafim, but Yoch Velito Miri Vilamais. He says, okay, well, if that's the case, then Davin Musaf by yourself. Eat a little bit and then come to the drosha. So Amalei, Velosav, Alomar, Lahad, Amr, Rabbi Yochanan, and also Lahad, and Shiakhtim, Tilosot, Tzvila, Sibur. Don't you hold for the teaching of Rabbi Yochanan that you're not allowed to daven before the community davens. So the drosha was before Musaf. I should have pointed that Rashi brings the drosha was before Musaf. Says, I couldn't eat yet. I was feeling weak, but I couldn't eat because I hadn't daven Musaf. And I could have done Musaf because the community had a daven Musaf. So So that was his excuse for not coming. As you can see, he, va- he had valid halachic considerations. We're now just going to go into how we pass. That's when you're davening in the community. If you're in shul and the community has not davened shakris or musaf for you to daven early is problematic. But if you're not in shul, you're at home, then you can daven a bit early. Is not like Ravuna, nor like Ravuna, Ravuna, as we said, Ravuna said you're not allowed to eat before Musaf. We hold you are allowed to eat before Musaf. You're allowed to have a taste. So let's say you're feeling a bit weak or whatever, you can say Kiddush and have a little bit to eat. We do hold you're not allowed to have a meal, but you can have a little bit to eat before Musaf. Um, unlike Ravuna, who says you're not allowed to eat at all before Musaf. We don't paskin like. Uh, you're not allowed to eat anything at all until you've daven mincha. We paskin, you can eat a little bit before davening mincha. The posse go into a lot of questions on this. Is this mincha katana or mincha? So it's so fine. You're allowed to eat a little bit, but you're not allowed to have a meal. Is that any meal or only a proper su'uda? So you can't go to a bar mitzvah lunch or something for before davening mincha. But maybe your regular lunch, you could have before davening mincha. Is this only, is this in, only in mincha katana, either second half of mincha towards evening, or even in mincha gadol, okay? Discussion exactly what you can eat and when you can eat before mincha, but at least you're allowed to have a snack before davening mincha, that, at least. Okay, new Mishnah. Um, it's seen... Pardon? We hold you are allowed to have a little bit to eat before mincha. It's a discussion. Yeah. So that we would obviously say, so then you would have to say, we're paskening that you can have a regular meal before Mincha, or maybe this, that you're not allowed to eat a meal before Mincha, is only Mincha Katana, uh, the second half of Mincha later on in the afternoon. But as I said, it's a discussion in the poskim. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, you should, de- yeah, that would definitely be a, a point. Um, so this, this next Mishnah, they bring it brought here because we just discussed Shachris and the Gemara later on in the Masechta brings that when you go from Shachris, straight after davening Shachris, you should go learn. So now we jump on to something regarding going to learn. would daven when he entered the base Midrash. He would say a tefillah when he entered the base Midrash. And he would say a short tefillah when he left the base Midrash. said, what's the nature of this tefillah? He says, when I enter, I daven that no uh, calamities or stumbling blocks should come through, through me. I, if I say anything wrong or come out with the wrong halacha, etc. And when I'm leaving, I thank Hashem for my portion that I get to learn in the base medrash. 
The price says, when you would enter the base Midrash, what would one say? Rambam points out, if you notice, so this Bryce is going to elaborate on exactly the Tefillah was. The Rambam points out, it doesn't say, what did Rabbi Nukunya ben Akana say? It says, what does one say? He says, the halacha is for everyone to say this Tefillah. Um, interesting enough, we're not so careful with this Tefillah, and they already discussed for many generations why we're not careful with this uh, Tefillah. It's not a new question that we're not careful with this Tefillah, but again, Rabbi Nukunya ben Akana used to say this Tefillah, it seems from the opening phrase of the Bryce and how the Rambam learns, and actually our Shulchan Aruch Paskin is that you must say the following Tefillah before you start learning. It says, that no calamity... No stumbling block should come through my head. That I shouldn't stumble in the halacha. And my friends rejoice over me. I, I don't want to make a mistake that everyone starts, uh, oh, look, he's not the greatest Tamil Chochum in the base in the yeshiva. Sometimes we know more than him or something. You don't want your friends to do that. And that I don't say what's Tomei is Tor and what's Tor is Tomei. And that my friends shouldn't stumble in halacha. And I rejoice over their downfall. So that's the tefillah you say before, before learning. But Yitzhiya Zomam, what would he say when he was leaving? Um, so that he placed my share in those who get to sit in the base medrash and not those who get to sit on the corners. Either Amorazim. Shani Mashkim Vahe Mashkim that I get up early and they get up early. Ani Mashkim Ladivrei Torah Vahe Mashkim Ladivrei Betalim. I get up early to learn Torah and they get up to do, I guess, relatively pointless things. I labor and I receive reward, and they labor and do not receive reward. I run towards Olam Haba. I'm consistently pursuing a higher existence. And they're running to the opposite. When Rabbi Loza was sick, his Talmidim went to visit him. Says, teach us the ways of life so that we can merit Alam Haba. You seem to have been a pretty successful person, Rabbi Lazar. Please teach us. Rabbi Eliezer, please teach us. Says, Be very careful with the honor of your colleagues. Prevent your children from reciting. Rashi says, from learning Tanakh. He says, don't get, let them learn too much Tanakh. It will take them, he seems, some say it will take them, either they'll draw, be drawn after and learn too much and not other areas, or some add in the gear, so it will draw them to heresy. So learning too much Tanakh, um, the Yeshivish world takes this uh, teaching very, very seriously. We don't learn uh, Nach at all. But uh, yeah, that's... Uh, in the more modern Yeshivas, in the classical... In the classical Haredi Yeshivas, they don't learn Nach. In school, yeah, in grade one and grade two, and then you don't touch enough. I think it, that that yeah, that thing is changing, and it's not necessarily correct. I was just saying tongue in cheek. They follow this thing in the Gemara very very seriously. Place your children between the legs of the Tamirei Chachomim. I let them hang around Tamir Chachomim so they can see how to behave, etc. When you daven, be aware of who you're standing before. And through this you will merit Olam Haba. Okay, so you want Rabbi Yelezer's guard to Olam Haba. These are the factors that you have to be careful with. Seems, um, be careful with how you treat your colleagues. 
be careful with your child's education. Interesting, a large thing of his child, set them, let them sit by the feet of the Tamirei Chachom. Let them observe pious people. Not speaking about make sure they're learning enough Gomorrah, make sure that they're, uh, you know, getting enough uh, maths done, etc. He says, let them be in the vicinity of Tamirei Chachomim where they can watch how they act. I mean, obviously we're speaking about young children and that's, uh, I thought that's also interesting because they're not going to be sitting there and learning halachas from these Tamirei uh, Chachomim. They're going to be sitting and observing them. So they're similar. And then be careful with your davening. Then he says, yeah. Well, Ra- yeah, Rashi here says, he goes on and says, Don't let them learn too much mikra, too much tanakh. Okay, uh, you can, yeah, I'm sure there are other explanations, but they were Rashi says. When Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was ill, his students went to visit him. When Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai started to cry, he saw them, he started to cry. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, why are you? You're the light of the Israel. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was the sage who led the Jewish people through the destruction of the second temple and re-established the Jewish people after the destruction of the second temple. This that we were just reading on the previous Amur about Ramon Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua, they were all built on Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's effort. He was literally the light of the nation. He was the pillar, etc. He says, why are you crying? So, If you were taking me before a human king to be judged, Shayom... Today I am like this and tomorrow I'll be in the grave. Tomorrow, if he gets angry with me, his anger is not eternal. If he imprisons me, his imprisonment is not eternal. eternal. And even if he puts me to death, this human king sentences me to death, it's not eternal. I'll live in the world to come. Well, I can appease him with words and bribe him with money. I can get an excellent lawyer, as we know, if you have a good enough lawyer, you can get off. Says Nevertheless, I'm crying. Nevertheless, I would cry. If you're taken to an earthly court to be judged and capitalized, you're still going to be very afraid and cry, etc. Says now they're taking me before the King of Kings, the Holy One who lives for all eternity. If he gets angry with me, it's eternal. If he imprisons me, it's forever. If Hashem puts you to death, it's death forever. There's no words I can say and no bribes I could give. I have two paths before me, one of Gan Eden and one of Gehenim. And I do not know which one I will be taken on. And how can I not cry? He's got two paths before him, Gan Eden and Gehenim. Obviously for him the path before him is Gan Eden. So I heard from Rav Arya Leibovitz, I don't remember who he brought it from, he said that no, there was a decision that he'd made that was very, very controversial. And it seems he wants to say that he always lived in uh, doubt over that decision. At the time of the destruction of the Second Temple, the Caesar gave him the option, said, let me grant you 
whatever you ask. And one of the things he did and he asked for, Yavne V'chachomel, the Sanhedrin to stand instead of asking for Jerusalem. His reason, he thought, he says, if I ask for Jerusalem, the Caesar's going to laugh at me, so that's, that's wait, uh, what's it? Uh, that's, he's, wait, he's asking too much, and he won't listen. If I ask for Yavne V'chachomel, if I ask for the Sanhedrin to survive, well, then at least the Jewish people will have a guarding light. They might not have a base midrash, they'll have a guarding light. And there was always a doubt. Should he have asked for Jerusalem? Or should he, did he make the right decision? And that doubt, that's what he wanted to say, was the doubt here. Where he says, I've got a path, I've got Gehenna, that I allowed, that I didn't ask for Jerusalem, or I made the right decision and I asked for Yavne. So they said, okay, fine, but please bless us, our Rebbe. So says, I, want, I bless you that your fear of heaven should be like your fear of people. Is that, as, is that as far as we need our fear of heaven? Our fear of heaven should be much more than our fear of people. So if only your fear of heaven is, uh, is uh, as great as your fear of people. Taidu, and I'll illustrate the point when a person does a very he often says I hope no one sees me do this but he doesn't think about Hashem sees every act he does so what do we see again he's emphasizing that if only your your uh, um, if, if at least your fear of heaven should be if only your fear of heaven would be as great as it is of your fear of people he says when he was dying Omar Lehem Ponu Kalim Mipna Tumor remove the I'm about to die, remove the Kalim from this house so they don't become Tomer. We chinu kisa lechizkio melech yhuda shepo and prepare a throne for Chizkio Melech Yehuda who's coming. It seems that he was uh, summoned by Chizkio Melech Yehuda to heaven. That was who was going to escort him to heaven. I don't know how he knew that, or maybe on the verge of death he had some sort of Ruach HaKodesh. He knew and that was a very noble place. Chizki, I think I think this is vindicating what his choice. Because Chizkiel Melech Yehuda, if I remember correctly, was the one who restored Torah to Bnei Israel. They say that he got Torah spread through Bnei Israel like no one managed before that. If I remember correctly, it was Chizkiel Ben Yehuda. And that's what Rabban Gamliel's decision was. The decision was, I can ask for Jerusalem, I might or might not get it. Or I can ask for Torah, and I can strengthen the words of Torah, and, I, and that will be the guiding life of Bnei Israel. And that's what he asked for, Yavnav And as we know, that's what keeps the Jews going for all these thousand, two, over 2,000 years in Golos. It's the Torah that he has. So I think that's the connection between, he says, I'll be escorted. He realized that he'll be escorted to Shomayim with Chizkiah Melech Yehuda. Don't that's my own idea, so it could be very wrong, but that's what I was thinking. Uh, he was sick and it looked like he was going to die. That's what it says at the beginning. He was ill. Yeah, it says he was ill. So I think they, they realized he was elderly ill and that's why they went to visit their Rebbe. Okay, let's just do the Mishnah and I guess we'll leave it um, with that. Yeah. It says, Gamliel says, Every day a person has to say 18 brachas. You don't have to say the full 18, all 18 brachas every day. You can say... A summary of the 18 brachas. It's a discussion whether it means hafineinu, one condensed, well, the three opening brachas, one condensed bracha, and the three concluding brachas, or does it mean 
the opening verse, the opening phrase, and the closing phrase of each bracha. But either way, a short, you don't have to say the whole Shmon Esra, you can say a summary. If he's, if he's familiar with davening, if he's not familiar, then he, can dav, then he should daven the abridged Shmon Esra. That has to do with your concentration and your ability to daven quicker or slower, etc., what's necessary. Um, if you make your tefillah keva, it doesn't count as tachnunim. Keva here means fixed, an obligation, a duty, a responsibility. That's not how your tefillah is supposed to be. Your tefillah is supposed to be pouring out of your heart, pleading for Hashem for mercy. And if you make it keva and you don't have that, you might not have tefillah. We'll see a bit more in that. Uh, come in later sorry if you're in a dangerous place then daven a shortened a summary Rabbi Yeshua was the one yeah, he says uh, rather than put yourself in danger daven a shorter Amida he says what's the shortened bracha the shortened fill say Hashem should save his people and the remnants of his people at even when they transgress sin he should fulfill their needs. Baruch Hashem So that's the short filler you say if you're in a dangerous place. I'm not. I wasn't sure. Is he? I'm hoping the Gemara will clarify. Or I'll try to clarify it over the weekend. But is it saying if you're in a dangerous place, you should say an additional filler? This filler, or is it saying if you're in a dangerous place and you can't have an amida, which is sound like saying if you're in a dangerous place and you don't have time to have in the whole amida, then say just this one line filler. That seems to fit in with the Mishnah. We're discussing in what you can say instead of the amida. We're not discussing other tefillahs. If you're riding on a donkey, you must get off to Davin. If you're not able to get off, you should turn your face to Yerushalayim. If you're not able to get off the donkey, then turn your hearts to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. I view it as if you're standing right before or right in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, Davin to Hashem. But again, you won't be able to... Yeah. If you're on a boat or a raft where you can't stand or you can't turn around, then again, obviously, Davin with your heart as if it's facing Kodesh HaKadoshim. This is the famous halacha. We know that you Davin facing uh, facing Yerushal, facing Eretz Yisrael, facing Yerushalayim, facing the Kodesh Hakadoshim. And interesting point is your heart should also be there, not just your body facing there. That's where your heart should be when you davening. You're standing before Hashem, as we saw. You're standing before Hashem, pleading for your life. It's not supposed to be something you just do to feel. Oh, I'm facing the right way. I've said the right words. I'm done. Okay. Um, yeah. Have a good Shabbos.